Well, I'm having a great day today in God's presence. I'm having a great week. Uh, There's been some spiritual warfare this week, some things going on. And you know what that tells me? That the devil doesn't like what's going on. And when you're taking, when you're taking ground for God's kingdom, the opposite side comes against you, right? So if you've ever experienced resistance in, in your life, understand that maybe that means you're heading the right direction. And not if you're doing something stupid and you feel resistance, like that's on you. But when you're pressing in in God and you're taking a step of faith and you're moving forward uh, in God and what he has for you and you feel resistance, you need to know that means you're taking ground from the enemy. So we're going to talk this morning, as you saw the, the great video, on the topic and the theme of not playing it safe. And we started this last week and I asked people, and I ask, I'll ask this again, how many of you are play it safe people? You like to play it safe, all right? That's me. You know, my friends, when I was young, they'd say, hey, we're going to go jump off a bridge into a river. And be like, why would you waste a perfectly good bridge? It carries you over the water. And we want to jump off into the water. Why? That's ridiculous. Do, do you know there are actually animals in that water? There are fish and things like that. I don't, they're icky. I don't want them to touch me. I'm a play it safe person. Some people, their, their idea of fun is like jumping out of perfectly good airplanes or bungee jumping or all kinds of things. You know, it just takes that one time that the bungee rope doesn't work, right? And then you get to be splat. Uh, But I'm a play it safe person. How many of you are with me on that? But how many of you are like, no, I'm a risk taker. I like to just go crazy. Yeah, okay. Yes. Tamara Blotney with both hands in the air. From the very back row, I can see that you're not a play it safe person. In God's kingdom, in God's economy, Playing it safe is the riskiest thing you can do. For people like me, as a Christian, I have to go against my inborn desire to sort of play it safe because in Christ, I'm not called to play it safe. I'm called to live a life of faith, to step out of the boat and onto the water and follow Jesus into what he has for me to do. Come on. So this morning, I want to talk about this. Don't play it safe Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, kind of gives us a a great understanding, a great insight into the kind of God we serve. And and it says in Hebrews 11, 6, it is impossible, say impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith. God is not excited about the times we play it safe. Last week we talked about the fact that the story lives in those steps of faith, right? Right? When we play it safe, there's no story. Nobody says, hey, remember that time in middle school when we, we, didn't put, we played it totally safe and didn't take a risk? And you're like, I don't remember that, actually. Exactly, because it was boring, right? God is not pleased when we live a boring life. He's not pleased when we aren't willing to take a risk, not just of presumption, but a risk of faith, to step into what God has for us. And everybody here, no matter if you've been a Christian for 20 plus years or this is your first day, as a follower of Jesus, there's a step for you to take, a step of faith that you can take into the future that God has for you. Maybe that means going to a joy group. Maybe that means starting a joy group. Maybe it means to start to be a giver and to give uh, your tithe to the Lord or your offering to the Lord. Maybe it means to, to take someone through the purple book and begin to disciple someone. I don't know what step it is, but there is a step for each and every one of us to take in Jesus. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So the safe area, the playing it safe kind of life isn't good in God's eyes. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it this way, and I love this quote. He says, we are faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm risk takers. We will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. 
Let that be written on our hearts today. God, I want to be faith-filled. What does it mean to be full of faith? What does it look like in my life? What does it look like for me? What does it look like for me to be someone who's big thinking, not small thinking, not all the reasons why the thing that God wants me to do isn't going to work. No, I want to believe that my God is bigger than every challenge. I want to have a GSV, a God-sized vision, be a big thinker. I want to be a bet-the-farm risk taker. I'm not playing it safe. I'm, I'm going all in with Jesus, and I want to insult God with small thinking or safe living. There's an open invitation for each and every one of us today to not play it safe but to walk forward into the life that God has for us. Last week, I told you a story about a man named Peter. He was one of Jesus' disciples, and Peter and I don't have a lot in common. I'm going to be honest with you. Peter was always blurting things out, and he was always taking a risk. He's the guy that is famous for stepping out of the boat. He said, Jesus, if it's you, would you call me to come walking on the water? And Peter stepped out of the boat. We talked about this last week, and he actually walked on water. He did something pretty amazing. He took that step of faith. We talked about this last week, that that space between the boat and the water, that space between here uh, and now and the future that God has for you, that step of faith in that space is where the story lives. And in that space is where you, you make room for God to step in and move. And we talked about as followers of Jesus, where in our life are we making room for God to move? Where in our life are we making a place for a miracle to happen, taking that step of faith. But as we continue in this series today and actually wrap it up today, I want to go right to the words of Jesus. And Jesus was a great storyteller. You know, if you were 2,000 years ago in the land of Israel, you would have, and you would have heard Jesus, it probably wouldn't have sounded like me. It would have actually been a good sermon. And I'm just having fun with you. You can laugh. It's okay. Yeah, I think it's funny. But Jesus was a great storyteller and he, he gathered people together and he would tell these stories and we call them parables. But he told these stories to illustrate God's kingdom and to illustrate the way that God is and, and how God thinks and how God feels about things. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 is speaking on the topic of God's kingdom and what is God's kingdom like? In other words, if God had his way, if God had his will and God was in control, what would God's kingdom be like? Because Jesus was always talking about the coming of God's kingdom. And he wanted people to understand maybe what you think God's kingdom is like isn't actually what God's kingdom is like. You know, for a lot of people, whether you're a Christian, been a Christian for a long time, or this is your first time encountering Jesus or coming to church, there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian and what, what it means to go to church and what church is like and what God is like. And I want to let you know that Jesus... He didn't look at it and say, here's a category of good people and church people and all the dirty sinners out here. He just looked at all the people together and said, everybody's in need of God. That's right. Come on. Everybody's in need of God. And I want to tell you that for me as a Christ follower, a lot of times when Jesus says, this is what God's kingdom is like, I get challenged because I realize, wow, I think I may be more of an American than I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I, I think maybe I'm more of a, of a religious person than I am really a follower of Jesus. And so it's always interesting to me to hear when Jesus describes the place where God is and where God is in control. And Jesus tells this story about what God's kingdom is like, and it applies to what we're talking about this morning. He says, and I'm going to read this out of the message paraphrase, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and he delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000 
glory. How many of you could take $5,000 today? Come on. Amen. It's like, I want to stop right here. This is a word for me, Lord. No, it's... Just wait for it, though. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, $2,000. To a third, $1,000. Depending on their abilities. So Jesus says there's this master. He has these servants, and he, he, he kind of lines them up, and he's like, you know, Tweedledee, Tweedledum, Tweedledoo. You know, we got you right here. Uh, you get 5000 You get two. You get one. And he, and he lines them up according to their abilities, and he gives them this money. Then he left, it says. Jesus continues right off. The first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. Okay. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. This is one of those verses where I I hear it and I'm like, okay, this is a story that Jesus is telling about his kingdom. And maybe when I think about myself, I think, well, maybe I'm not the 1,000 guy. Maybe I'm not the 5,000 guy. Maybe I'm the 2,000 guy. And Jesus says, okay, Jake, I'm going to give you 2,000. And uh, the master says, and, and, and I have to do something with that. And then this verse kind of scares me because it says he came to settle up with them. Did you know that Jesus is coming back? Did, did you know that he's going to settle up with each and every one of us? that we're going to give an account for every idle word, that what God has put in your hands, the breath that he's given you to breathe, the breath that right now is in your lungs and every word you speak and everything you do, that he's going to come and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And you can't say, well, God, you only gave me a little bit or you only gave me, you gave me a lot or whatever. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave to you? This verse scares me. He said, came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. And it says in verse 24, Jesus goes on in the story, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. Now, I'm smiling right here because I'm thinking about when I come to settle accounts with my kids. You know, sometimes I go up to my office and I'm supposed to be watching the kids and Bethany's out doing something, uh, you know, in the city, having an appointment or something. And I go up to my office and I'm like, all right, line them up. You know, Evie's five, Jack's three, Penny almost two. Line them up. Okay, listen, Evie, you have 5,000 because you're a little bit more responsible. Jack two, Penny, you know, or Jack three, Penny two. You guys do what you're going to do. And then I, I hear a noise upstairs, right? Hear crashing or something. And I come down and I'm looking around and I settle up accounts with them. And you always know when there's shenanigans afoot, right? Yeah. Because all of a sudden they start talking. You know what I mean? What's going on here? Well, dad, you know, and Jack does this thing, but, 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 but. He just, ba, 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 ba. He just repeats, you know, he stutters. That's just how you know he's lying, you know. Yeah. Dad, 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 I, 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 you know. Oh. What did you do, son? And so this servant, the first one, he's like, yeah, I took your money and I doubled it. Put it to work. Second one, did the same thing. Third servant has a story. I love it. Comedian Michael Jr., he talks about how people, if you ask them, what school do you go to? They're like, oh, I go to University of Oregon. I'm an art major. But if you go to community college, there's a story. 
Well, I'm actually at Lane, and I'm, um, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to transfer to U of O, but I, gotta, I mean, I'm working on getting my GPA, and I'm, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Why can't you just say I go to Lane Community College? Nothing wrong with that, right? There's always a story, though. And this guy has a story for the master. Why? Because he knows that he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. And he goes on and he says, I was afraid I might disappoint you. I found a hiding place. I secured your money and here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. And it says, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live, he said. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Now, remember that this is Jesus telling a story about what God's kingdom is like. So if you're sitting here as a church person and you're like, I'm good. I gave him the offering. I only lusted three times this week. I didn't lie. I haven't lied in two weeks. Like, I'm good with God. We're good. This is Jesus talking about what God is like. It's not just about what you didn't do. It's about what you did do with what God gave to you. And I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm talking about, are you a good investment? What God has placed in you, are you putting it into play or are you holding it back for yourself? Because let me just tell you this right now. If you're a Christian, you've received the gospel God's greatest treasure of his son. His blood was poured out on your behalf to rescue you, to save you, to ransom you. And God isn't just interested in that investment going to waste. If you have received the gospel and the gospel got to you, then answer this. Can the gospel get through you? Can the gospel that came to me come through me? What I received, what was placed in my hands, am I... Am I faithfully taking it out into the world and letting it spread? Or am I hiding it in the ground so when the master comes back, I can say, look, I kept it safe. I'm a good Christian. Jesus says, look, that's not how it works. God cares about the investment that he made in you. He cares about it. And there's an account that comes where we have to say, God, this is what I did with my life. This is what I did with my life. Your life is valuable. We get caught up in a lie in our culture because our, our culture devalues life. But God never devalues life. He always puts a very high value, a high worth on life. You don't know the amount of days that you have. You don't know the amount of words that are remaining. So make them count. Do not play it safe. Now, the million-dollar question that comes to me out of this story that Jesus tells is this. Why is he so mad? Why is the master so furious? Jesus is saying, this is what God's kingdom is like. Take this story and apply it to your own life. He said, but I want to know, why so extreme? Why does he say, throw this guy out into utter darkness? I think the answer is found in a passage of scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which I love this passage of scripture. It says in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Another translation says his handiwork. And it says, he has created us anew in Christ, Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things 
He planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece, his handiwork. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Why is the master so furious with the servant who has not invested what was given to him? The reason is because he's wasting a masterpiece. You and I are given this life for a period of time. You know, every single one of us has 120, 130. If we're, I mean, maybe some medical technology comes out, but probably most of us don't have that long. So let's say the average is 85 or 84, whatever. But we've got, let's say, 85 years on this planet. Not a guarantee of that, but if you do it right, get lucky and whatever, and that's your time, you have those 85 years. Are you taking that, those, that incredible gift of life that God has given you? You are his handiwork. He made you created you with his hands. Did you know that God created everything with his words? The stars, the galaxies, the universe, DNA, everything was made by the word, but God formed us with his hands. Says that he went down and he formed the man from the dust of the ground. What matter and energy that he created with his words, but we are the only thing in creation that was made as the handiwork. By the hands of God, we were made. We were formed. And when we don't live our life to invest and we're playing it safe and we're, we're holding what God has put inside of us and we're not putting it into play, putting it into action, taking the step of faith, taking what God has called us to do and doing that thing, what we are doing is we're saying, God, I'm devaluing your masterpiece. Found out recently that my, he's my step-grandpa, but he's my grandpa, Walt, that he owns this like priceless work of art. I mean, it's not really priceless. There's a price, but the price is ridiculously high. And he bought it somewhere and, you know, he, and he's not the kind of guy that you would think would be an art connoisseur, right? I always think of art connoisseurs, they always have a snooty look. <laughs> and they talk to you with their pinky in the air. They have a French accent. <laughs> and sees that you have this art here. Oh, it's a piece of garbage. Oh. And so my grandpa Walt is not like this at all. He's a good old boy. He's going, hoof, oh, yep, mm-hmm. You know, he enjoys going out and killing animals with his bare hands. You know, so he's not the kind of guy that you think is an art connoisseur. So we find out, yeah, Grandpa Walt actually owns this piece of art that is r- ridiculously valuable. I mean, like, it, it's absurd. And he just got it somewhere, and now, and now he has it. And I'm not going to tell you his address. I don't want to, you know, spread this out on the internet or anything. He lives in a galaxy far, far away. And I think about that because it's in his house, and I'm like, you want my kids to come to your house? Don't you know what could happen to this priceless work of art if they touch it or mess with it? Bethany and I were in, I think it was in Scotland at this time, and we were walking through these museums, and there was these beautiful works of art in these beautiful national art galleries. And, and it was amazing because you have like a, a Raphael painting or a Da Vinci. I don't know anything about art, but I just knew the names. If, there, if a Ninja Turtle painted it, it's a good painting, right? That's how, how, how you know what, what good art is. Did a Ninja Turtle paint this? Yeah. And we're there, and I remember walking up and getting closer and closer to the art. You know, it was like getting closer and closer and closer. Like, is anybody going to shoot me? And there's a guy who's about 119 years old over there picking his nose, who's the guard of this priceless work of art. And it just surprised me that these masterpieces aren't, aren't more protected. But it was beautiful to be able to just enjoy it and see it. And I want to think about the most valuable thing you have in your possession that you don't want it to be devalued and treated poorly and You are God's masterpiece. And not only are you valuable intrinsically, formed by the very hands of God, but you also have value extrinsically in that God made you for a purpose. 
Not only are you a priceless work of art, but you're meant to do something and be, be a work of art in the world that spreads the goodness and glory and value of God. And that's why Jesus says in God's kingdom, the master gets mad when we waste the investment. And we take what he's put in our hands, whether it's five or two or one, and we bury it in the ground. He says, the master's furious because we're devaluing. So what happens when we play it safe? Number one, playing it safe devalues God's investment in me. We're just talking about this, that God made a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. When you think about sin and doing the wrong thing, don't Don't avoid sin because you think it's making God mad. Avoid it because you know who you are and what you are. Why would I take a priceless work of art and drag it through the mud? I wouldn't. When we play it safe and we don't don't put it into play, we don't put our life into play and take the step of faith that God has for us, it devalues God's investment in us. You know, I think about, Bethany and I just bought this couch, I think about it maybe about a year ago, and we got it on Craigslist, and it was $100, which isn't a lot of money for a couch. But for us, it's the nicest couch we have. And it makes it sound like we're in poverty. We're not. We're just cheap. But <laughs> this couch, you know, it's a nice couch. We got a great deal on Craigslist. You know, it's a used couch, but it's new to us. And where we're at with our children right now is we want a used car, used house, used couch, used clothes, like, right? Thank you. I, can I get an amen, right? Because my kids don't get it, you know. And so we have this couch, and it's kind of cream-colored, and our joy group knows about the couch, right? You sat on the couch, the cream-colored couch. And cream-colored couch, we should always make couches that are the color of ketchup, I think, because (laughs) with children, that's what's going to go on your couch. Can I get an amen? amen? And our kids, you know, I get angry. I'm like, listen, guys, okay, you can eat at the table. This is the table zone. That's where food goes. Don't take food from here and over here and do not eat food on the cream-colored couch. What do you think they want to do? Eat food on the cream-colored couch. I come in to the, the living room and I see Evie and she's had a big smile on her face with all her markers splayed out, caps off, on the couch. Get off the cream-colored couch. That couch cost me $100. But I don't want them to devalue the investment because it's not about the cost of the couch. It's what it is. That's our nice couch. Anybody have Italian grandparents, right? You have Italian grandparents, their whole living room's covered in plastic. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, my, grand, my, my grandpa's full-blooded Sicilian. And I remember going, he always had the nicest furniture, always wanted white carpet, right? And then you make spaghetti sauce. Oh. I don't understand that, right? But Italians was like, stay off of the carpet. And so... You go into their living room and it was always covered in plastic. And, and it was hilarious, you know, because you couldn't do anything to it. You weren't even allowed to sit on it. And it's covered in plastic. What's going on here? They didn't want you to devalue the investment. Now, why am I just, I'm just having fun, but talking about this, that when we play it safe, we devalue what we really are. Now, the analogy kind of breaks down because a priceless work of art, a, a piece of artwork, we're going to put it on a wall and we don't want people to touch it. But the beauty of what God has done in you and I is that we are a work of art, but we're not meant to be hands-off. We're meant to be hands-on. The world needs you to go out and shine. The world needs you to go out and love. The world needs you to go out and serve and give and be, be a part of what God wants to do. And so when we play it safe, it devalues God's investment in us. Number two, playing it safe deprives the world of what God can do through you. Playing it safe deprives. So it devalues God's investment and it deprives the world of what God 
can do, the world of what God can do through you. At the end of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me ask you this question. What could happen if you took that step of faith that God was calling you to take? Who would be blessed? Whose life would be changed? Whose life would be transformed? I've said this before, but all of us are the result. We're only sitting here because somebody in our past, some Christian took a step of faith and prayed for us or opened a group, or started a church, or spread the gospel, or shared a message, or whatever they did, whatever they served in a kid's class, and it made an impact on somebody, and that has cascaded down to us. Christianity is always just one generation away from disappearing from the face of the earth. And when I play it safe in my walk with God, I deprive the world of what God wants to do through me. You were not just created to be a masterpiece on a wall, You were created to be a masterpiece in the world. And God made us, he created us anew in Christ, Jesus, for the good things that he prepared for us. So what would happen if I do take the step? What's on the other side of my obedience? And the follow-up question to that is, what would happen if I don't? You know, it really, it's very interesting to think about that in March or February of 2016, just one year ago, that if Bethany and I hadn't heard the Lord and other people hadn't spoken into us, and we hadn't taken a big step of faith to launch Joy Church, to plant Joy Church, and other people that were a part of the the beginning of the church, that if that group didn't take that step of faith, that this would not be here today. That that today and next week and and for the future, the, the years that come out of this church and all the ministry and the service and the love and the gospel that is preached, if you don't take that step of faith, that does not happen. And so oftentimes we think, well, what would happen if, God, if I did take a step of faith? But we also need to think about what wouldn't happen. See, we don't know. We don't know because we don't see the future. But, you know, when God calls you to take a step of faith and you don't take it and you play it safe, it deprives the world of what God wants to do through you. And I want to tell you right now that when you do respond in faith to God, you take that step, he can do something amazing with your life beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. Honestly, last year when we started the church, I thought we'd be at this point, if we had 50 people in the church and, you know, that would be great. And, and my faith wasn't even close to the level of God's faith. And now we're looking at next week going to two services and seeing hundreds and hundreds of people come hear the gospel for the first time. And, and you know what? It's so awesome. Yeah. So awesome. But it hasn't, it's not me. It's not you. It's what God can do with one step of faith. What's waiting on the other side of our obedience? Number three, we'll get ready to close up today and go get something good to eat. I'm feeling a burger today. I'm just, it's in my spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Number three, playing it safe discounts and dishonors God's glory. It devalues God's investment in me. It deprives the world of what God wants to do through me. Through me. But playing it safe, worst of all, it discounts and it dishonors God's glory. I want to ask you, where in your life are the moments where God gets glory? Where are the moments in your life where you've created some space with a step of faith and the supernatural comes in and other people can look and they can say, I know that person and that's not them, that's God. And and glory to God. Come on. Where in your life are the moments where God can get some glory? We talked about this last week that we have 
We've made no room for the supernatural to break through. We've made no space in our lives oftentimes for heaven to come to earth. But when we take a step of faith and we don't play it safe and we follow Jesus into what he has for us, do you know what happens when God does something amazing in that moment? Sure, you get to be a part of it. You get to enjoy it. But you know what happens is God gets the glory. And people look and they say, look at what a marvelous thing God has done. In the story that Jesus told, there's an amazing thing that's spoken to those that did not play it safe. To the servant that invested the five and the servant that invested the two, the master said, you get to be my partner. Think about that. Now, now I'm not looking at you and I'm going to give you something and see what you do and you're a servant. Now you are my partner. Jesus wants to invite you to be his partner in what he wants to do in the world. But it starts with not playing it safe with what God has put in your hands. Now let me just speak into something right now. If you don't think that you have something, you are wrong. You know, a lot of people have been so broken down in their life by whatever circumstances have come, maybe even your own bad decisions. I know I've been broken down by my bad decisions. But I want to let you know that you have something amazing to offer the world. And maybe you don't know what it is right now, but there's something there. There's a peace of God inside of you. You were made in the image of God Almighty. And you have something to share, something to give. And when you take that step of faith and you don't play it safe and you don't hold back, God gets glory. He does amazing things. God gets glory in the moments where only God can do something great. Amen. Where are we making that space in our life? Have I left room for God to operate? And so with conviction, I can say that as a Christian, playing it safe is the riskiest thing you can do because it devalues God's investment in you. It deprives the world of what God can do through you and it discounts and it dishonors God's glory. We serve an almighty God. We serve the resurrected King. When you are a Christian, maybe life has down moments and sickness and despair and all these kind of things, but we serve a God that has conquered death and they can kill us, but they cannot harm us. Because ultimately our hope is in heaven. Ultimately our hope is in God's glory and what he's doing in his coming kingdom. Come on, somebody. We serve the resurrected king. You have something inside of you. God has put something inside of you. Don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. Live by faith. And this morning, maybe you're like, okay, I'm in. What do I do? Well, don't try to do everything. Just do something. I want to encourage you right now. We are in a season of the supernatural at Joy Church. You know, we're talking about next week at Easter. We're inviting people in. We're going to do a big Easter egg hunt next week. But all these things that we're doing, all, all we're doing is in response to God, saying, God, we want to create space for you to do something great. And, you know, the other day I woke up and I had a vision of the courtyard in front of the, the, the movie theater here, full of people. And I felt the Lord say to me, Jake, that's what I want to do. And he spoke very clearly to me, that's what I want to do. And what I took out of that is that Either Lord is saying, this is what's going to happen next Sunday, or he's saying, this is my heart. God wants to do something beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. We're in a season of the supernatural. And right now, get in on the ground level. And you're like, what do you, okay, here comes the investment. What do you want me to invest in? No, I want you to invest in you. I want you to take what God has put in you and invest what God has done in your life. Even if you go out and you go to another church, 
and then you do what I'm talking about there, please do that. What I want to see is kingdom people, Christians that are inspired and full of the Holy Spirit that love Jesus and they have a recognition of what is resonating on the inside, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That resurrection life and that it emanates inside of us. And that we begin to say, God, I'm going to take whatever step of faith. I want to challenge you today to not take this message and let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. And say, God, I can't do everything, but I can do something. There's something this week. Maybe it means taking a flyer and inviting somebody. Maybe it means coming and serving at the Easter egg hunt. Maybe it means inviting a neighbor, going to group. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but God will speak to you. There's something, and God wants you to take that step of faith. Come on, somebody. I dare you to see what God could do with a step of faith. What could God do with an act of obedience? What would happen if I do? And what won't happen if I don't? Don't play it safe.